When the quarantine hit, two neighbors did the only thing that made sense. They started mixing drinks, tossing them in mason jars, and leaving the delicious concoctions outside each other's door. Their cocktail conversations began casually in the doorways, and from there blew up to become the international podcast sensation that you're listening to right now. It's a pandemic. And since you're not going anywhere anytime soon, grab a drink, grab a seat, and put your feet up. Because this is Cocktails in Quarantine. I get everything. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do? Actually, I'll just go ahead and do this and this. Oh, oh, oh shit. Okay, and then I'm going to do one of these over here. You are recording, right? Because that, that definitely needs to be part of the... Oh, yeah. Look at this. Oh. Can you, <laughs> can you, does that show? I've got three drinks. Yeah, three. that one. I love that ice cube you got. That's a tall yeah. one. Or is that two? That's two. Yeah. This guy chill. You know yeah. what I want to make is, um, we have to 3D print like a silicone, but long ice cubes Yeah. to, to fit in the, uh, whatever the glasses, Tom Collins glasses. Servotov has those, but but that don't that don't freeze this way. They freeze this way vertically because then because then the because then you can get the crystal clear ones, right? Because uh, the bottom, all the gases get pushed toward the bottom. But I, I've been I've been googling it. I haven't been able to find it. You should so. collaborate with Camper English on that. No, I, I was I reached out to Camber English, and um, who? Camper English. That's what I said. Camber. Camper English, he's a cocktail writer. He lives in the Mission, and he popularized the techniques used in making clear ice. Oh, wow, I like it. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I stalked him on a BART platform once, and the fact that we are now like cocktail friends is a testament to his ability to get over his fear of stalkers. Well, that's good, you know, because a lot of people have a hard time getting over things. In fact. <laughs> Sometimes it can it can scar a person and and even leave them a little bitter. Bitter. Yes. Love what you did there. Matt knows cocktails and Bill likes to booze. Matt makes his elixirs and Bill is a stooge. But together they're the greatest team. Is cocktails in quarantine. Welcome to today's show, everybody. Welcome back uh, to our legion of fans. Uh, today's a show on bitters, where uh, we're going to deep dive into bitters. Absolutely. What are bitters? Bitters were originally medicinal. And then, let's go to New Orleans, Bill. Okay. Hot chili mama. She's a hot chili mama. Hot chili mama. And you have a bottle I gave you. Of Peychaud's bitters, you know yours. So I have Peychaud's bitters. Yeah, but these are barrel aged. Yes, and I, I was like, oh, I have. Wait a minute, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. So go on. Antoine Amadi Peychaud, born in Haiti, escapes of course with his family at two years old because the revolution breaks out, and he ends up in New Orleans, and opens an apothecary shop. He has developed his proprietary bitters, which we're talking about 
the era before modern medicine, so herbal remedies were a hell of a lot better than leeches and bleeding. Uh, problem being, people can't stomach this stuff on its own, so he starts blending it with a little bit of sugar and a little bit of cognac, which you might recognize as an old-fashioned cocktail. Cocktail bitters are derived from medicinal bitters, and they are super concentrated to the point where a couple of dashes are all you need in a drink. The concentration is because you're taking medicinal plants, herbs, you're using alcohol to pull all the healing properties out of them and then preserve those healing properties. Uh, so they want to concentrate that so they can keep things efficient. They bottle up as many you know, parts per million of medicinal compounds as they can and they ship it out. And back in the 1800s, you had some medicinal bitters that aren't around today like Stoughton's bitters, uh, Peychaud's bitters, Angostura bitters were developed by Dr. Johann Siebert. He worked with the army in Venezuela and he would cure people and then when he, uh, he later went to the island where Angostura is produced today, I believe it's Trinidad Tobago. Um, and interestingly, though the company is based in the town of Angostura, there is no Angostura bark used in Angostura bitters, if I remember I, correctly. Which, no. <laughs> uh, God, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a yep. classic. I, I, I can't believe it myself. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Angostura so there you go. bark. Yeah. Of course. But the thing <laughs> that makes bitters essential in cocktails is the fact that, uh, and this is Matt Wine's personal theory of drinks, you can't just have one flavor you need its opposite so that the two hold each other in balance. So if you think about classic cocktails, a daiquiri, the sweet and the sour balance each other out. And if you add too much sugar, then you can improve the drink by adding a little bit of lime. If you add too much lime, you can improve the drink by adding a little bit of sugar. Well, the same principle applies with bitter and sugar, and that is the old-fashioned cocktail. So the old-fashioned is the bitter version of the sour, where you've got three ingredients. You've got the strong, sour, and sweet, or the strong, the bitter, and the sweet. So let's, hold on, let's roll back. Are you saying that Peshad's is like the original cocktail bitter? Uh, I don't... Arguably, not... Yeah, arguably, sure. You know, no one's going to be able to go back and say that Antoine was the first guy that was making people cocktails with bitters in them. But um, he was certainly one of the main popularizers, if not the first popularizer of the technique. Yeah. Is it an American invention? Yeah, it's an American invention because they weren't doing this in Europe. All right, which, as we talk, which cocktail do we want to go to? My brown one or your brown one? Let's start with my brown one. Okay. So I gave you a translucent brown drink. Oh, I'm just describing it visually for the listener. Sure. And I asked you to prepare it as if it were an old-fashioned. See, this is where I hate this game. Yeah. I don't know why I said I want to play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I want to say whiskey, but if you say no, it's rum, like, I won't be mind-blown. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I want to say it, it, it's whiskey, simple syrup, and like cherry. All right, great. Now here's what I want you to do. Uh, yeah. Put like six dashes of that Peychaud's bitters in there. Now you're saying how many dashes? Go six. I feel like typically you would do three dashes. Let's go six. Let's double it. Sure. That's what I said about that martini. It didn't turn out so good. <laughs> Better or worse? Um, you know, I went to uh, barrel tasting wine, wine barrel weekend or whatever up in Napa a couple okay. times. It's fun. Right. Yeah. They take they take out the unfinished wine, sure, and they let you taste it. And you know what it tastes like to me, Matt? Wine. It tastes like fucking wine. Yeah. And so <laughs> the drink that I just sipped. Yeah. I don't know. It tasted good to me. Yeah. It tasted, it tasted like it had some kind of whiskey thing in there. It was a little bit sweet. Yeah. I thought there was some cherry flavor. That might have just been the, you know, whatever. This is also good. The the sweetness, the cherry kind of is gone. And then there's this, um, I don't know how you, I don't know how you say it. This um, flavor after the fact. I don't want to call it an aftertaste because that almost sounds bad. Flavor after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, is it as sweet, more sweet, less sweet? Oh, I think it's less sweet. Less sweet? Yeah. Great. So we just got our principle in action. You added bitters and it right. reduced perceived sweetness. For sure. I just made you a rye old-fashioned, huh. but because we're going to use Peychaud's bitters, which are from New Orleans, I also used Benedictine, not from New Orleans, but used in the Vucare cocktail. So Benedictine was my sweetener for your old-fashioned instead of just using a sugar cube. Benedictine is a blend of herbs with sugar and alcohol. And You know, well, well so that, that way, back to the bitters specifically, yeah. because it's yeah. almost like Benedictine sounds a little bit like a style of bitters with a really loose interpretation of, of you know, the let's, rules. Let's talk about the difference between aromatics and bitters okay you can take a wide variety of herbs like you can put some oregano and some thyme and some hyssop and some stinging nettle and none of your things will have like a bitter flavor that is astringent on the tongue but they'll all have nice aromatics so your palate gets to enjoy the aromatics but it never goes to a bitter place and that's the difference when you're adding those Peychaud's bitters that is what balances out the sugar, giving you a well-balanced drink. Well, in the Benedictine, are there aromatics, but there are not bitters? All aromatic herbs, no bittering herbs, yeah. Well, so then where do you put, like, Aperol and Campari? Yeah, those are called potable bitters because you can technically sip them if you want Potable to. quadibles? Potable. Like Jeopardy? <laughs> potable quadibles. <laughs> I don't think I ever caught that one. Uh, it was right after portable quotables. Portable quotables. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you poured two ounces of Campari over ice, you could sip it. If you poured two ounces of Peychaud's over ice, it would be very unpleasant, right? Why am I using bitters versus Campari? Just for volume? Because you don't want to add any sugar. Which Campari has a sweetness to it. Campari has a sweetness. April has a lot of sweetness. Yeah. I've got a Verna here behind me that's bitter and brown instead of red, but it has a healthy amount of sweetness. So a Verna is made for sipping. Campari is made for sipping. 
Peychaudes and Angostura are made for dashing. And they don't have any sugar added to them. Let's move on to drink number three. All right. So I think you made me a rum old-fashioned with an extra, extra helping of Angostura. That is 90% correct. I'll take 90%. Ring the the cowbell. Well, what's interesting, though, is um, it is not just an extra, extra dash of Angostura. It's an ounce of rum, mm-hmm. an ounce of Angostura. Yeah. Uh, simple syrup. That's what I needed the simple syrup for. Okay. And then a quarter ounce of orange. Orange uh, bitters? Yep. Super bitter. I'll tell you what. I, I don't mind this. I, I was I, I Googled it, right? I Googled, like, when we started talking about doing a show on mm-hmm. bitters. I said, all right, let's, let's, let me find a, a, bitter, a bitter drink. Yeah. And then, boom, I found it. I was like, okay, that seems ridiculous. Is it right, made like, by the bartenders who did the gun shop fizz? You know what? I thought so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. I got it on... It's by Google. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. it's, it's, it's actually just a, a machine Google. learning program that was like, here's good cocktails. Google is one hell of a bartender. Yeah. So, But I'll tell you what. I actually thought I wasn't going to like this. Mm-hmm. Because of how ridiculous it is. I mean, it's. Yeah. I had I had to take the top off the bitters to pour that much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Had to take the I, dasher spout. The dasher spout. I don't mind this at all. This would be a nice like after dinner sort of wrapping it up. You know, a little towards dessert. It is a little sweet. You know when I love bitters is when I just ate way too much. Like Thanksgiving, I gotta break out the fernet. Yep. You know, such a funny like the the stereotype or the myth of Fernet is it settles your stomach, mm-hmm. but it really does. It works for me. It works for me too. Underbrook. You know? Why? Any idea why Fernet is so popular in San Francisco? Yeah. First of all, the guy who distributes Fernet liked coming to San Francisco, so he built relationships with a lot of the bartenders here. But during the period when cocktails were still relatively underground. The way bartenders would establish whether someone was real or fake in the industry was whether they could handle Fernet. It's, uh, what do you mean by handle it? Just drink it? Or, if, or use it in a cocktail? If you were a bartender in the late 90s, early 2000s, and you went to another bar and you met a new bartender and you said, yeah, I'm all about cocktails, and that bartender was also about cocktails, they would serve you a shot of Fernet to see if you were for real. It's like, you know, it's like hazing in the mafia. You you want to get in, you got to cut somebody. And if you're really willing to cut somebody, then okay, you're in. You know, I feel like that's a not that high of a bar to to jump. Well, back know? back in the early 2000s, you got a lot of people like, "Oh no, I'm not doing that. I can't do that to myself." Okay, you caught me. I'm not I'm right. not really legit. And so, I mean, something Fernet is really just for our listeners who have never had it, take Jägermeister and yeah. assume that Jägermeister is 10 herbs and 10 parts sugar. Yeah. Fernet is 80 herbs and <laughs> 2 parts sugar. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but if you know, yeah. it's it, it's drinkable. And some strangely, again, you know, Fernet has, interest, interestingly, its myths, I feel, are accurate, where it is a stomach settler yeah. and the ginger back is delicious. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, 
But it's like, yep, I, I, I'm where like I see people doing picklebacks of stuff. No, and it's like, dude, that's not. There's no way. I'm okay with doing a pickle shot because it's funny and maybe the the good bacteria in my tummy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but not at the bar. Um, the drink, the drink that sort of, and I I don't understand bitters still. This this um, you know, doing this A and B. I can understand a bechamel sauce, mm-hmm. and I can understand the difference between with and well without cheese. Okay. Where, and it's because I had never done what you just did, where you had me drink it. Yeah. And and then and then do the the A and B, but similar to, and we talked about this a little bit. I know that when I'm maybe making a stock or or, or something, that you put a bay leaf in there. Right. I know that. Yeah. Now. If I if if you gave me two stalks, and said which one was made without the bay leaf, I, I yeah. don't like I don't know what it does. I just know that's what you do. Um, I have a suggestion for you. I'm actually making a stock right now. Next time you make a stock, <laughs> yeah, put a little oil in your pot, let that oil heat up, get some fresh bay leaves, which you can just get from Safeway. I order them, and drop those in there before you do anything else, and let the oil heat up the bay leaves and then you can smell them and then all of a sudden light bulb goes off oh that's the aroma that's the flavor that the bay leaves impart and get them fresh they're so much better when they're fresh sure that's true of everything well actually herbs no herbs there are some well. things that i like better dried like uh i love dried apricots and i'm not crazy about fresh mm-hmm. so there you, you know, go it shows <laughs> <laughs> the, the the one drink that Although it's sweet, I can drink a ton of, and I think a lot of it just has to do with the 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 places where I am when I'm drinking it is a dark and stormy, mm. and I could never make it right when I was home. There was something always wrong about it, and it was sure. the ginger beer and the lime yeah. gave the drink what I was calling a twang. Yep. You, I'm sure, would be like, well, it's not a twang bill; it's actually a blah blah, blah blah blah. I think that's a great term for a bill. Thank you. Uh, and then it was it was. I was having these drinks down in St. Thomas, and I noticed one time it was the bitters. Yeah. And that's what I wasn't adding. And and that is such a great, when there's a twang, because of either too much ginger or too much lime or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, maybe, and, 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 and maybe what I'm really doing is mellowing out the sweetness, you know, and, and sort of misidentifying uh, it was the, the ginger and the lime. But it untwangs the drink and just makes it drinkable through as many football games as you want to watch on the beach balances everything out i tell you what i've never been able to drink all day long like i was able to drink down in, in st john it, it is well you know what you, the the trick is the trick is you don't pay attention as much but all of those flavored rums yeah. are half booze they're, they're, they have they are uh 25 alcohol right and not um, 50 or 40 but even when even when you wake up hungover yeah it turns out floating in the water for an hour or two. <laughs> yeah. That's a really great cure. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go. What am I doing with this one? Okay. You're going to shake it over ice for like seven seconds, but hard shake it and then pour it over a big cube. I don't even know how to describe. It looks like not mud, but muddy. <laughs> there appears to be like some sort of physically tangible ingredient like a non-liquid ingredient in here okay like it has the appearance of horseradish 
Um, all right, I'll be right I w- back. I was going to say a ruddy opalescence, but, you know, <laughs> muddy will work. Should I double strain it? What was that? Should I double strain it? Yeah, you can double strain it. Alright, I'll tell you what. It does look years better. Years shaken, better. Shaken. Yeah. Shaken and... Double now, strained. Yeah, it look. I mean, is there a... You know, it, it looks like a... Um, uh, what, what did the uh, Lebowski drink? The big Lebowski? Yeah. Oh. A white Russians. That, white that Russians. sort of texture. Yeah. Although this one, is, it, is there a pink hue? Like a red hue? That was the ruddy in my ruddy opalescence. Mmm. Mmm. All right. Let me drink this. I don't know. Rum? Milk? I feel like you wouldn't go milk, though. It's something that's creating the texture of milk. That is not... That is a game theory, right? I'm not basing that on my tongue. I'm basing that on, like, you. Yeah. <laughs> it, so it is thick. Viscous, would you say? Yeah, viscous. It's viscous. I, I have no idea. I think it's a rum drink. Well, you're right. It is a rum drink. <laughs> got some chocolate in there. Right. That's all I got for you. Rum and chocolate and, and viscous. Is it bitter? Like emotionally? <laughs> I'm not trying to be a psychologist. I could use one. I mean, yes. This is not a sweet drink. Okay. That's how I would, I would, I would if, if I had a tell, but I wouldn't say go get the bitter drink to yeah. someone. Yeah. In the, at the very end, because you're asking the question, like, yeah, I can get some bitter in, like, the back of my throat. Yeah, but it's not something that grabs you at the very beginning of the drink. Not like a Negroni. All right, great. So this drink, like the one you just made for me, also has one ounce of Angostura bitters. <sighs> but I used a technique to take the edge off of the bitters, egg white. Ah, there you so go. This is... Which, by the way, if you're going to have drinks, why not get the protein? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Same thing with um, chia seeds. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're, they're flavorless. They go right in. They help clean you out. I, I did not know all this about chia seeds. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're great. Chia seeds are like the boba tea of cocktails, right? <laughs> um, I, wish the, this is a cl- I wish the listeners could have had the drink I just made. Yes. And the drink you just made. Okay. And it, it, it sums up us, where... How does it like, sum yep, us up? Like, yep, I made a drink that had a, a ha- an ounce of whatever it was, an ounce yeah. of bitters in it. Yeah. Which I think, uh, on the whole, if we were to find, if you were to grab like 10 dudes and say, have you ever made a drink that uses this much bitters in it? They would say, no way, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right? Yeah. So, so I feel like I'm on uh, the... Um, the edge of the bell curve. Like, I'm on one of the sides of the bell curve yeah. of, of drink making. But my use of Angostura's was you could taste, even, like, even I was able to taste right away. Right. That's what I'm doing here. Yeah. You've made the a, a very similar drink, a rum, mm-hmm. and 
Angostura bitters in huge quantities drink. Yep. And it is... I would not be able to... I used a couple of tricks. Right. Yeah. So the cool thing about egg whites is they act like sandpaper. Any oh. rough edges, they just take them down. The second trick that I used, I used some banana liqueur. Mm. And because the banana liqueur is really aromatic, it occupies your sensory brain and distracts it from all of those heavy bitter components that you're getting in an ounce of Angostura. And then there is a little bit of Armagnac just to round everything out and tie it all together. So one ounce Angostura, half an ounce of high ester Jamaican rum. Listen to episode three if you want a dissertation on high ester Jamaican rum. That's the John Crobati. <laughs> the John Crobati. Uh, half an ounce of banana liqueur, half an ounce of Armagnac, and then the egg white. Have you ever had a, a banana rack? Yeah, I love the banana rack. That's Morgan's drink. Uh, you, made, you made it for me. That's the only reason I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, got that drink from the Bon Vivants uh, bar group here in San Francisco. And Morgan Schick is one of the two creative directors of the Bon Vivants. He created the Banana Rack. I love that thing. One day, the next time you're hanging out with humans. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all your bartender friends. Yeah. Invite me. Oh, with pleasure. And I will make everybody Red Bulls and vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they'll drink it because they're bartenders. No, totally. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So let's recap, I guess, a little bit. Sure. I'm using bitters yes. the same way I would use maybe citrus. Yes. Uh, and I'm just balancing out sweetness. Yep. Can I be also be using bitters to balance out citric? citrus? There are drinks that do that, and the first one that comes to mind is the Jungle Bird. But that's like a three-person tug-of-war instead of a two-person tug-of-war. I see. Okay. You want them all to be in balance. So I have right now, I have Angostura bitters. So that yep. appears to be the clear winner of bitters. That's number one. I also have a chocolate bitters, mm. which I love. I'll tell you what, you just make a Manhattan and you just switch up the, the, the bitters. and That sounds like little... it would work well in a Manhattan that uses Antica formula, Carpano Antica. And see, all right, and see, this is where, back to the vermouth episode. Yes, and similar to the bay, uh, bay leaf comment, yeah. there should be a, like a class where it isn't about making this kind of cocktail. It shouldn't be a bartending class. Mm -hmm. It should be a, I'm going to walk you through vermouths. Yeah. Right? Or, sure. you know, the same thing with a variety of spices. Like, there should be a class where it's just white rice, yeah. white rice with bay leaf, white rice with onion. And, yeah. and so you can just really see how this all plays out. Absolutely. Um, Right, so I like I would never think like, oh, if I'm using the chocolate bitters, I should be using this this vermouth versus that vermouth. Yeah, yeah. So then I have a walnut bitters. Mm -hmm. I also have a walnut liqueur. Yeah, yeah is very that different. Yeah, I have that. All right, what are you using the black walnut bitters for? I like to use this in rum old fashions. Sure. The interesting thing about Fee Brothers bitters, they are unique in that they do not use alcohol as the solvent to get the flavor 
out of herbal components. They use glycerol, glycerin. They use glycerin instead. So if you have someone who does not drink alcohol, you can serve them something with Bee Brothers bitters. Um, well, all right. What other? All right. I also have I have a celery bitters that I think I'm going to throw out. Yeah. And I like that. I, I did like that in my just kind of a regular martini. I thought it gave like a vegetal, 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 vegetal. Yeah. Vegetal. Um, you know where that would go really well is if you used some grappa. I love that. I have a, well, you know what I sent up to you, mm-hmm. a burning hot, I don't even know what it is. Corazon. Yeah, so they say that there are flavors of coffee, chocolate, hot pepper, and oregano, which sound, sounds like your standard Mexican hot chocolate flavor profile. You know what, I guess, so... What's the point if we if we look at bitters as an um, a tool mm-hmm. to sort of balance out uh, the sweet tooth in mm-hmm. a drink? Yeah. Th- then these other ones are also just all adding fighting flavors. They're adding fighting aromatics. So the thing that I think about when I make a drink is how many components am I getting when I add this ingredient? If I'm adding lemon juice or lime juice. It's 80 to 90% sour and 20, 10% aromatic. I can tell the difference usually between lemon and lime in a drink, but if there are enough ingredients there, it might be hard to tell. If I'm using uh, spirit, vodka is mainly what you would call strong with very little aromatic component. Uh, High ester rum has a lot of aromatic component. Whiskey usually has like a middle of the road aromatic component. Gin has a high aromatic component because of all the juniper and the associated herbs. Uh, If you're using a vermouth, then you've got like 50% sweetness, 50% herbal, 25% bitter. So it's like Mario Kart. Mario is like good at handling, good at speed, but not great at anything. Whereas Luigi's got acceleration, Bowser can crush you. Uh, the princess is really nimble in corners. Like you, I, that's how I think about cocktail ingredients. Is Mario sure. Kart characters? Well, you know, one other one other bitters I have, because I, you know, you're at the store. And you know, they're the price is right for bitters. You know, they're between eight and twenty dollars, and you can, you know, like I said, if you make a Manhattan, if you just have three different kinds of bitters, you can make three different. Manhattans, just by just by having that, and so it's sort yep. of fun yep. uh, to be able to mix it up the way. I have orange bitters, yep. Uh, but then I have um, fennel bitters. Yeah. What would you use fennel bitters for? I wouldn't use them because if I want fennel, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna get some Pernod. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think we covered. I think we covered everything on today's show. Uh, I never need to study bitters again. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, what, what was the name of the gentleman that you were stalking? Oh, that is uh, Camper English. Camper English has a website called Alcademics. Think alcohol and academics. And Camper is not only an extraordinary writer and a scholar, but a great person. So, alcademics.com, highly recommended. Well, more importantly, I'm just happy after that episode he didn't remain 
bitter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I like to drink cocktails that are fancy. Jump on tables and be dancing. I don't believe in things like heaven or hell. This purgatory is treating me well. And bitters in my beverage A little bit of booze A little bit of leverage I need ice or else I can't exist What's the point of living Without your lover's kiss Or, you know what I can do is get, like, um, you know, uh, who's the guy uh, with the with the voice? The guy with the voice? Yeah, a Shawshank Redemption guy. Morgan Every, Freeman? I can get him to read it. Yeah, because you've got a, a connection to Morgan Freeman. Well, we'll just get a person that sounds like Morgan Freeman. We'll get it on Fiverr. <laughs>